0: You know, some people come into our lives and, and they leave an indelible mark of love on our hearts. And Billy Francis is one of those people. Yes. <laughs> she was one of the first people I met when I came into religious science in Pacific Church hundreds of years ago. <laughs> I don't know how long it was, I really don't. And she was my my Professional Practitioner too, instructor. And um, and I just wanted to uh, honor and acknowledge her for the years of service that she has given to religious science and to the world as a Professional Practitioner Emeritus. And I wanted to honor her with this 30-year pin that she so richly deserves.
1: Thank you. to be part of this community and to serve here it is my great joy and i am so very proud of reverend patty yeah, yeah. there are some others in the group steve cooper and others Lori sheet some of who have been my students and i'm so proud of all of them and a little bit when you're a teacher a little bit of you goes out and a lot of uh, what um the my pride is about is that patty has totally embraced embodied and served so mightily uh, from the principles that she learned and expanded upon Um, by the way i have uh, a diversity message which is this is my tribe also (laughs) this is the padre nation (laughs) Hey, what can I say? <laughs> so, so thank you all for being my family and for being a, such an important part of this journey. I've, I've known many of you for many years um, and, and very privileged to have served here. Thank you.
0: So here we are diversity day, wearing the shoes of my ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Dutch call them klumpen, and they are shoes carved out of a single block of wood. Um, they're, they're full foot clogs, or um, sabot, as the French call them. And you know that story about the workers throwing the shoes into the gears during the Industrial Revolution, to, to if they wanted the afternoon off, you know? And that's where the word sabotage comes from, Sabot, you know? I think it's made up. I hadn't been able to cite it. It's a great story, but I, I, it may not be true. But who knows? Could be. I don't know. Anyway... <clears throat> Steve Martin once said, before you criticize a man, walk a mile in his shoes. That way, when you criticize him, you're a mile away, and you have his shoes. <laughs> okay, so, so that's, a, <laughs> that's a joke on, actually, the quote we had today, right, for, for meditation. Walk a mile in my shoes. See what I see. Hear what I hear. Feel what I feel. And then maybe you'll understand why I do what I do. And so today's talk is The Shoes of Others. And our theme for the month is recognizing others, right? You know, recognizing ourselves in others. And so as we step into the shoes or the experiences of others, we can begin to empathize, right? To identify with someone else's experience. We're talking about how when we stop to see things, from another perspective, that we realize we are more alike than different, right? Anybody here? Anybody in the room not human? Are there any non-humans here? No, no. Any any um, Neptunians? Any Plutonians? <laughs> no, no. Because you know we don't want them in the room, right? <laughs> anybody here from Alpha Centauri? Anybody? Anybody at all? No? Good. Because we don't want those aliens, right? <laughs> See how silly that sounds? Right? See how silly that sounds? Because we are all one. Right? We are all one. We all spring from the same source. We all come from the same source. We are one race, the human race. And Bill Nye, you know Bill Nye, the science guy? Big bow tie? Okay, we all know Bill Nye. He said this. He said, we're all one race. The only difference is our color. And that comes from how close your ancestors lived to the equator, or at high altitudes. There have always been tribes. But what we have to appreciate now is that we live in a global community. And tribal loyalties, they're not relevant to our future. They're not relevant to our future. Yeah, oh yes. Now, we have tribal identities, right? I mean, look at us today, right? I've got mine on. There's, there's tribal identities all over the place. There are, there are cultural identities, and we love them, and we value them. And there are familial identities, and they are all valuable, and they add something to our lives. There's something to take pride in, and we are all human. And we are all human. We are here today to share our backgrounds and to celebrate with each other and to bring food, right? Today is Diversity Day. So we brought the food of our families or our cultures, or even if they weren't ours, they were ones we like. We even just brought that in just because we like it. And we're all human. We're all humans. You know, back in September 20-whatever, 2006, then-President Clinton was being interviewed by Tim Russert. And Tim Russert asked him, what's the biggest problem confronting the world today? And President Clinton said, the illusion that our differences matter more than our common humanity. Right? So, so, you know, I was thinking about that. So what gets in the way of, of our just feeling that oneness all the time? And, and how is it we fall into judgment instead of just observation, Right? Instead of just seeing our our differences, we wind up falling into judgment about our differences. Right? Where did, how did we get to, there is a difference, and this is better than that. Right? How did we get there? You know, Anais Nin said, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. She said it, and so did so many other people. But anyway, she was the one I, uh, I, I cited, but... Actually, you can even trace it hundreds and hundreds of years before that. It was written in the Talmud. They had old discussions about it, right? It's about, our, it's about the, the level of our evolution, our consciousness, because everything comes through our, con- our context, right? So when we see other. So, so if everything begins in context, we are the ones that must be dwelling in the consciousness of separation, right? That, does that make sense? Group bias can be a very destructive thing. You know, think about it. Think of all the, the, you know, left-handed people are not as good as right-handed people. You know, brown-eyed people are smarter than green-eyed people. Anytime we make those kinds of group think, it creates separation. And separation does not exist because we know God is all there is. We know that God is all there is. That it is the source and supply of everything, of life itself, of the energy of life. There's only one. There's only the energy of life. And it shows up, it shows up, you know, individualized, but not individual, right? Because we all spring from the same source, but we come through our own context. So everything comes through our own eyes, our own history, our own, our own minds. And, and we see things from our own context and they appear to be different, even if they're the same. Do we have that picture? I, I had a picture of a... This, look at that. Now, now it, I don't know if you can see it really, really well, but that's, that's from your context, right? So if you shine the two lights on that cylinder, you're seeing a circle or you're seeing a square, depending on your context. Same thing. It's the same cylinder, right? Some people looking at it from this angle, some people looking at it at that angle. It can look very, very different. But it's the same thing. And that group think... Right? That it's a circle. No, it's a square. Less filling. Tastes great. I don't know. You know how we do, we do that. We break into those, those, you know, camps. Hmm. That is human race consciousness thinking through us. The idea that we are different and the differences matter more than our common humanity. So instead of seeing people, instead of seeing groups, we need to see individuals. We need to see each other. We need to sit down and get to know each other. Wayne Dyer said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Right? We know that. That's going back to the science of mind and spirit 101. Change your thinking, change your life. In the Course in Miracles, it says things have no meaning other than the meaning we give it. Things have no meaning other than the meaning we give them. And see, there's nothing wrong with seeing our, our cultural differences. It's fun. We're seeing different dresses and different hats and different shoes, right? We're seeing, all that, we're seeing all that different stuff. And skirts, yes, men in skirts, we love you. Thank you. We love you. So, so observing our differences and looking at our differences and noticing them and, and celebrating them, there's nothing wrong with that. That harms nothing and no one to notice our differences, to celebrate them, our different foods, our different dress, our different languages. We are richer when we notice and celebrate each other's. It's when we use those differences to judge each other as better or worse, right, that we go astray. And Ernest Holmes, in Help for Today, said this. He said, We can have no understanding of divine compassion unless we ourselves First, exercise compassion. The very judgment by which we judge others becomes self judgment. It is the law of life giving back to each one of us exactly what we have projected into it, as though everything that goes out from us must return again by the law of action and reaction right this is the karma this is the whole idea of what we send out comes back and this idea of othering othering the idea the false idea of separation we come by it honestly i got to tell you it originates in the amygdala i mean it's just it's a part of our brain it's been there in the human brain forever goes back to primitive man. It goes back to the idea of being on alert for something. Something. You know, something different was met with suspicion. Are you one of us? Do you speak the same language as we do? Are you here to attack us? Take our food. (laughs) Take our women, right? It was always always that idea that we had to be on alert to rob us. Somebody's going to rob us. Somebody's going to take our food. Being on alert for danger was important. It kept us alive. It meant survival. It was life or death to be able to recognize a friend or a foe. But here's the interesting thing. Control of the amygdala comes from various areas of the prefrontal cortex, which includes the centers for logic and perspective thinking. So we can change that stuff. We can control that we can learn a new way of being in the world. We don't have to think the thoughts we thought just because we thought them. That was hard to say. Perhaps in the ancient brain, when the amygdala lit up, it was a fear response, it was. It indicated danger, the other approaching. But as we have evolved, we understand that no one group is danger. No one group is good, right? We get to see individuals. We get to be with each other as individuals and learn from each other. Ernest Holmes in The Science of Mind said this. He said, because thought is made of the stuff that forms the universe into definite creation, the law is charged with the power we give it. No more and no less. It responds by corresponding. It is a mirror, and it's a perfect mirror. It molds our ideas and beliefs into visible form and casts them back, multiplied. If we remain fearful of others, we get to live in a fearful world. See? See how that works? Don't you just hate that? Okay, if we love each other and we practice loving each other, we get to live in a loving world. It's the same world. Right? There's only the one. It's the same world. Whatever we send out, we get back. So we offer love. Right? This teaching offers love. We offer friendship. We offer a smile. We offer joy. We offer to help one another. That reflects back. That is what reflects back to us. You know, be the kind of person you would want as a friend. That's really easy. Be the kind of person you would want to be as a friend. Knowing our oneness does not mean not seeing anybody's uniqueness or not seeing anybody's background or culture or heritage. That's not what that means. Just knowing our oneness knows we all spring from the same source. We are all one at the root. The energy that has energized the entire universe is the same energy that beats our heart and breathes our breath, all of us, all of us. And so we can sit with each other and we can know each other as different and as unique and as diverse as we are. We sit with each other and we get to know that. We get to know that. We get to explore that. We get to interview each other. We get to learn more about each other without judgment. Without judgment. Gerhard Dietrich said, empathy is presence without judgment. Now, that Lovely. So, it's not necessarily about doing anything, but it's about being. It's just, it's about being here for each other, you know, like a practitioner, like a practitioner like Billy. We are the presence of love. That's what we teach our professional practitioners. We are the presence of love. We hold no judgment, we have no opinion when a client is sitting in front of us about anything. We are the presence of love. We are this this container into which our client can can, uh, uh, reveal healing in in our presence. And and look around the room. Look around the room. Every single one of us here in this room is a practitioner. You You are practicing the philosophy of the science of mind and spirit that makes you a practitioner. Some of us get licensed at it. But each and every one of us is a practitioner. We are the presence of love for each other. That's what this philosophy teaches. Being with each other as the presence of love. And that's what it means. We commit to being that in the world. We commit to being the presence of love. When when each one of us is at our best, and we commit to being the presence of love in front of someone who is exhibiting their most unskilled behavior. And we all have bad
1: days, I mean,
0: right? I mean, I do. I should just talk about myself. I really have bad days sometimes. John will tell you, but he won't because he's too much of a gentleman. <laughs> but, but that's what being a practitioner of religious science is about. It's about being the presence of love regardless of how the other person's showing up, at their best or at their worst we're still the presence of love. Ernest Holmes said this, he said, it is quite a burden lifted when we realize we do not have to move the world. It's going to move anyway. This realization does not lessen our duty or our social obligation, it clarifies it. It enables us to do so joyfully and free from morbidity, that which we should do in the social state that which we should do in the social state. So what is it? What is it that we are charged with as religious science to do in the social state but be the presence of love? We reveal the truth. We give permission for those around us to shine, to reveal their truth as well, to to free others of, of any expectations, to be the light in the world, that's what we're here to do. And we do that by being the presence without judgment, like, like Gerhard Dietrich said. So we're here to celebrate each other's uniqueness. <laughs> right? We're here to celebrate each other's uniqueness. Our different cultures, our different backgrounds, our different languages, our different skin colors, our different eye colors and hair and, and, and height. <laughs> I love the height one. (laughs) We are all different. We are all one. We are all different. We are all one. We have to watch our thoughts, right? In order to be the presence of love in the world, you have to watch your thoughts. You have to be the guardian at the gate. Be aware when we are descending into judgment and condemnation. And remember our oneness. Go back to oneness. Remember, we have the choice to think positive thoughts, right? We have the choice to think positive thoughts. We are the only ones in our head. There's nobody else in there thinking our thoughts for us, you know? That old, that old horror film, you know, where the, oh my God, the call, it's coming from inside the house. Ah, It is. <laughs> it is. There's, you're the only one in there thinking your thoughts. You can choose another thought. You can choose another thought. Avoid the right, wrong Good, bad dichotomies, right? Tastes great, less filling. Avoid, avoid those. Focus on the present. We are not our past. I certainly am not my past. I'm not the person I was 20 years ago, or 10, or five, or two. Are you? No, of course not. You're not the same person you were 10 minutes ago. You're not the same person you were when this talk started. Stay in the present. We are not our past, neither is the person in front of you. They are not their past either. You're meeting them all over again for the first time. Sort of like an emu. You know, every morning they wake up, it's a whole new day. <laughs> Reverse the situation. Reverse the situation. Right? What if, what if that person was thinking about me the way I'm thinking about them? Holy moly. Right? Right? Now, that could be a blessing and a curse. Think about that. So, what we're thinking, what we're doing is is we're developing this unconditional positive regard. I love that phrase. Unconditional positive regard. Think of it as unconditional love. But sometimes the word love has a little charge on it right? We get kind of confused with the word love. It's romantic love. It's sexual love. It's Hallmark card love. It's melodrama. You know, love can have a, a unique and weird charge to it. So, so think of it as unconditional positive regard. It is the attitude of complete acceptance and love for yourself and for others, for yourself and for everyone in which you come in contact. You know, for me, this is, this is our practitioner commitment in the world. That whole idea of being the presence of love, being the presence of unconditional high regard for people, for situations, for anything. We have to take on the mantle of being the light of the world. This is ours to do because we're in this room, because we're in this philosophy, because we've said yes to this path. We've said yes to being the light of the world. We've said yes to being the presence of love in the world. We are, we are saying yes to being the healing that the planet is calling for. And Ernest Holmes in Creative Living said this. He said, we cannot only embrace ourselves. Somehow our arms must find themselves around the shoulders of all of humanity. We cannot worship a God who belongs to us alone. Only as we enter into the feeling of the essence that diffuses itself everywhere, then at last we can look at each other and say, I worship God in your form. Thank you.